Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. It's hard to imagine a world where we leave future generations with fewer rights and freedoms. Since the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills aimed at blocking people from getting the essential sexual and reproductive care they need, including abortion. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves access to care. And with supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. My name is Habib Attah. I'm a journalist living and working in Beirut. On Tuesday afternoon, I was driving home, passing by the port of Beirut, as I have done so many times before. There was a bit of traffic, and I had pulled over about four or five kilometers after the port on the highway and uh, went to a pharmacy to buy some medicine. When I was uh, talking to the pharmacist, I heard a I was like a pop noise. And I immediately had, uh, when I heard it, I looked to the skies uh, because I thought that uh, it could be another airstrike. You know, we've been through so many airstrikes in this country. Uh, we've been hit with so many tons of bombs that I thought it was coming from the air. Uh, and then, you know, I, I, I didn't see anything, so I turned around. That was the initial uh, explosion. Um, and then the, the much bigger mushroom cloud um, happened just within 10 seconds or so after that. My whole body shook, and it really rattled me to my bones. It's hard to really describe uh, what it's like. It's, it's kind of like if you were trying to imagine the, the biggest explosion in an action movie, an unreal feeling. And even though I was several kilometers away at this point, I felt like the building next to me was falling down. And everybody felt that. Everybody felt that the explosion was happening in their house. That's how it reverberated across the city. We experienced probably uh, the biggest explosion of our lives uh, here in Lebanon, and that's saying a lot. Uh, you know, we've seen bunker-busting bombs used by Israel. We've seen uh, the assassination of the prime minister with huge amounts, tons of TNT. But this was something that was probably the closest thing to an atomic bomb people have seen in recent memory. It was a mushroom cloud that enveloped the whole city of uh, Beirut. So that was about 24 hours ago now, Habib. Do you have any idea what exactly happened on Tuesday? We don't know a lot of things, as usual in Lebanon. We don't really always know what's happening. Uh, and it's very early, obviously. This, it's still smoldering, the area. But the, the, the explosion happened at the port of Beirut. Apparently, there was a warehouse full of uh, highly flammable ammonium nitrate, apparently, uh, which is a, a very dangerous gas that uh, could have been used for fertilizer. We're not sure what uh, its purpose was, but it was being stored in the port for several years. And there were disputes about how to handle it, and it just sat there 
we're not really sure how the the, the spark uh, that lit the, the explosion, uh, where that came from. Some people uh, will say it was foul play, and then that's where we play into everyone's um, favorite conspiracy. Some will say that it was a, a missile. Some will say that it was uh, planted. It's hard to blame people for jumping to conclusions. Uh, however, these conclusions will often reflect a certain political uh, slant. So uh, th- there could be many explanations, but it could also definitely, most definitely be a case of pure negligence. And I mean, the whole Lebanese uh, state is is really uh, a manifestation of negligence. It's also a very tight country. There's a lot of space to put things. Uh, people end up putting things and stacking things in ways, uh, whether they're buildings or, or materials that uh, are very dangerous. We don't have the kind of regulations and inspectors uh, and, and, and kind of bodies of oversight that, uh, that really do due diligence um, with these kind of things. We, we've seen gas stations blow up in the past um, in Lebanon. We've seen um, factories catch on fire. Do you have any idea how many lives were lost and how many people were injured at this point? So far, the estimate um, is something like uh, 70 uh, dead and 4,000 injured. And these injuries. 4,000? Yes. Um, and that's, again, initial estimates. And, and a lot of people couldn't get to hospitals because hospitals were so overwhelmed. Three hospitals were actually destroyed uh, in the vicinity of the port. We have a struggling healthcare system as it is, but to lose three hospitals, that's a major blow. Some of the injuries were really bad. Uh, I heard of someone saw a, a girl lose a limb. I've heard uh, of uh, a man who died uh, from bleeding in his hand because he couldn't reach the hospital in time. He just bled to death. People were just walking around the streets in a daze uh, full of glass and blood. And the biggest devastating uh, epicenter of this was the port of Beirut. It's almost erased. There were dozens of warehouses. They've all been flattened. This is a really big blow to a country that relies on imports. 80% of our consumption is imported. And the port is a lifeline. The port is a vein. Uh, an artery of the economy uh, in this country, and uh, and this country's economy is is tanking, is collapsing right now. And when you take out the port, which is how the country feeds itself, basically, we have the strategic grain silos right there at the port. They were totally eviscerated. That was three months worth of of, of bread making um, at a time when people are really hungry and going hungry in this country. So, I mean, a worse thing couldn't have happened to a place that was worse off. How do you mean for people unfamiliar with what's going on in Lebanon right now? I mean, everybody is saying this is the worst thing that they've ever seen. Uh, And we've seen a lot of wars and a lot of destruction in this country. So that says a lot. Um, No one, the the port of a country is is essential to its economy. Uh, So losing the port of Beirut is is just crazy to imagine uh, what kind of economic consequence that will have going forward. Losing three hospitals. Um, at a time of the pandemic, when there are very few uh, hospitals in the country and very few ICU beds uh, being inundated with so many people. The cost of medicine is very high, so hospitals are running at a loss. Patients aren't able to pay for health care. The government is broke. Um, the government owes the hospitals tons of money. So people urgently need any kind of uh, health care support. They need food support, just basic bread and wheat. Living in Lebanon is, is so hard, uh, from the power outages to uh, the, the, the sewage uh, spilling into the sea, to the air pollution from the diesel generators that are running all the time to support the fact that there's no electricity from the government. 
people are, are facing 50% unemployment. So, uh, it, 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 you know, it's, it's hard to imagine what else can we get hit with in this country. I mean, you, you take all of this uh, economic collapse and environmental disaster and you throw a kind of atomic bomb in the mix. And so uh, it's really unfortunate for people who live here to have to live with that reality. They didn't choose that. Um, they were born in war um, and they never really seemed to get a break. How things got so bad in Lebanon after the break. I'm Sean Ramos for him. It's Today Explained. Support for Che Explained comes from FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. If you like spy thrillers or indeed Elizabeth Moss, then you might want to check out FX's The Veil. It's an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. Oh, I'll go. One woman has a secret, same here, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. Your body is your own. That's why Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Today, lawmakers who oppose abortion are challenging Planned Parenthood. Affordable, high-quality basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. Planned Parenthood believes that health care is a basic human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies. They also work tirelessly to oppose the onslaught of new policies aimed at interfering with personal decisions best left to patients and their doctors. They won't give up and they won't back down. You can join Planned Parenthood in the fight to help make sure that the next generation can decide their own futures. The organization needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit plannedparenthood.org slash future to learn more and support their cause. Habib, tell me what the situation was in Lebanon before this explosion on Tuesday. Well, um, it's hard to imagine what it's like to go through a financial crisis of this scale. I mean, we've been through many political crises, we've been through uh, wars, but this is a different kind of war where basically... You know, the money you have in the bank are just numbers on a screen. And um, a financial crisis has three uh, aspects in Lebanon. It's the banking crisis. Uh, We have a a debt crisis, which is the country is one of the most indebted in the world, which made the currency uh, crisis. Lebanon's always been a very delicate uh, balance, but it, it kind of feels like it's really getting torn apart like never before. You say that this crisis Lebanon's facing economically is sort of three-pronged. There's this debt crisis, a banking crisis, and a currency crisis. Could we go through each of them, starting with the debt crisis? What's going on there? Yeah, so Lebanon's one of the world's most indebted countries. Uh, It has a debt-to-GDP ratio of something like 180%. So that means that 
the country doesn't generate nearly enough money to ever repay its debt. And the debt keeps basically accumulating year after year to the point where it's like almost $100 billion today for a country that makes like $40 billion at best per year. So how do you pay that back? The debt just keeps on growing and growing. Why is Lebanon in so much debt? Well, Lebanon is a country that's been at war for so many years and had a massive civil war that the reconstruction costs uh, were very high and the borrowing costs, the interest rates for Lebanon, a country like Lebanon to borrow money are also very high. So actually the worst off you are as a country, the more money you're going to spend um, in, in, in borrowing money to, to get back because people don't trust you because you have bad credit. So we're like a country with bad credit um, emerging from a war with not much infrastructure. So to build that infrastructure, you had to accrue so much more debt. And that debt has been piling and piling and piling. And that debt crisis has led to a banking crisis? So the, the banking crisis is linked to the debt crisis because uh, the banks are the primary lender to the government. So when Lebanon emerged from the war, uh, nobody wanted to lend Lebanon money. So Lebanon ended up taking a lot of money from local banks that charged really high interest rates because they didn't actually have faith in this government. So the government accumulated a lot of money. However, because the government wasn't really making money and because there wasn't really any industry in the country and people had no incentive to build any industry because the interest rates were so high in the bank, you know, um, so nothing was being built in the country. And all of that money was being spent by the government because the banks were, again, loaning money to the government for interest rates to make their own profits. So the banks did very well in Lebanon for a long time. But uh, as the political crises you know, mounted in the country, people started to get nervous um, about the bank's ability to keep funding the government, about the government's ability to pay the banks back. Um, and the banks started to restrict the amount of money you can withdraw because people started running to the bank and trying to withdraw all of their money. And so that means that now we don't really have access to the money that we, we put in the bank, our deposits. We can only access a small allowance, which could be a few hundred bucks a month. And then I guess that brings us to the currency crisis. Yeah. Not only are you not able to get cash from the bank very easily in, in any, any great amount, but the cash that you do get is uh, worth... Uh, you know, 20 cents to the dollar. So if you had a dollar in your pocket, that's 20 cents you have now. If you had 100 bucks, that's 20 bucks. So it's it's a massive blow to anyone. Right? And that also applies to your salary. Like whatever you make uh, every month, you know, cut that down by 80%. Um, add to this that when you go to the store to buy groceries, everything is like doubled and tripled the price. So things like a bag of shredded cheese uh, you might, you know, buy to make a quesadilla or something, Right. That what used to cost like you know six or seven bucks, and now it's the equivalent of like twenty or thirty dollars. All of these crises are inherently linked. How are people responding to this three pronged crisis? Well, people are really really suffering. I mean, if your salary gets cut by eighty percent and the prices of goods go up, you kind of worry about how you're going to feed your children. So people have been selling items. There have been like some websites where people are selling like their household items, even dishes I've seen for sale or bartering. Crime has gone up. There was a viral video circulating in Lebanon of a guy who held up a pharmacy with a gun to buy diapers. I've never seen that. Let me look it up. Oh yeah, this is like the most passive robbery you can imagine. The guy's holding a gun, but he seems pretty resigned. 
they're putting the diapers in the bag and he's slowly walking out. People are um, really suffering on a daily just to, just to, to get by, just to get a meal. About half of the country now is under the poverty level. And of course, the COVID outbreak has definitely uh, made everything worse because people can't get to their jobs. Uh, we've had a lot of lockdowns and we're going into another lockdown right now. There's a lot of depression. There was some suicides related to the financial situation as well. So people are very anxious. They're very worried about their future, about their children. They're trying to escape this country as they have always done. Uh, for, for decades, people have tried to escape Lebanon. Um, and that's why we have so many uh, Lebanese living abroad and immigrants and refugees. So, so yeah, it's, it's definitely leading people to give up hope. Um, and it's also much harder for the poorest segments of Lebanese society. Uh, not only have the middle class become poor, but the poor have become, you know, extremely impoverished. Late last year, we covered the protests in Lebanon over this WhatsApp tax the government tried to impose. To some degree, those protests were successful. The tax didn't happen. The prime minister resigned. After everything that's happened since, do people still have hope they can affect change in the country? Or are people giving up? It's very difficult to dig yourself out of a deep hole. Um, and I think it's also very difficult to reimagine a political system that has been in the making for decades. Um, and a lot of people rely on it and believe in it. And so the only, the only solution to Lebanon is for the IMF to loan Lebanon more money. Um, and again, that means more debt. So the, the best solution would be for Lebanon to start generating income, to start building industries. But it doesn't really have the infrastructure for that because, again, it's a war-torn country. So another, another problem that Lebanon faces is that you know Lebanon decisions are not made only in Lebanon. The United States you know, backs certain leaders in Lebanon. Iran backs uh, certain groups in Lebanon. France, Saudi Arabia, they all have their favorites. So Lebanon is kind of like a, an international chessboard. Uh, where, you know, for decades now, um, different countries have tried to support different sides. And so I think in some ways, Lebanon is like a country that's unfinished. It's not really formed yet. Um, and that formation of any country, I think, uh, revolves around one side winning, one side emerging victorious uh, to lead a country, usually at a great cost of violence. Well, we had all the violence in Lebanon, but nobody won. So uh, Lebanon's a country of no winners and no losers, which is this is kind of democratic because everybody gets a say or a lot of political parties get a say, but nothing really gets done in the country. So it's really hard to imagine a way out of it other than getting more debt to try to restructure the debt you know, for the umpteenth time and passing on this debt to the next generation. Uh, although people are not really will willing to lend Lebanon money either uh, because they've seen so much money in the country disappear. So it's real tragedy, I think, for the people who live here, who just wake up every day and that's where they are. I mean, they didn't decide, you know, uh, on lending rates. They didn't decide on taking out those loans. Um, they're just average people who are now suffering under the worst economic crisis. So uh, we could see violence, we, you know, uh, and at the same time, uh, there is violence on our border. There is, uh, you know, ongoing confrontation between Hezbollah and Israel. And that's been going on for years. That could flare up at any time. You know, that, that has flared up in the past into great wars. Um, that have set the country back further. I think that people are trying to be creative. They're trying to start out small industries. They're trying to go back to farming. You know, Lebanon is 
is the country in the Middle East that has, uh, you know, rivers and, and valleys and greenery. Around us are a lot of deserts, you know, and so it's a very fertile uh, fertile crescent. It's where farming started thousands of years ago. Um, it's a beautiful country for tourism. Uh, you know, it's a gorgeous country for history. Every, every empire of the world has been here. You've got Roman temples that look better than the ones in, in Rome uh, preserved. Um, and, and my heart goes out to people um, that, that are really at, at the margin of society right now because they're really suffering badly. And, and you know, I would just say if people want to help out, you know, they could visit the country, they could try, um, you know, to help people out here because, again, it's, it's, a, it's a great country. It's a hidden gem. Unfortunately, politically, it's not been able to get a, a break and a rest from the powers that be, whether they're local or, or foreign. All right, Habib, that's all we need. I really appreciate it. And um, we watched these videos in shock yesterday, and I, I just really hope things get better. And if anything, I guess one positive outlook of this is that the world is paying attention right now. So I hope I hope good things come of that. I hope so, too. You know, I mean, some people have said this could be a catalyst for change, but I think people are so exhausted and worn down at this point. They just need all the help that they can get. Habib Bata is an independent journalist and the founder of BeirutReport.com, where you can find and support his work. <laughs> 